Hi, I'm Tony Kramer with RDO Equipment Company. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Agriculture Technology Podcast. Every day there are phenomenal advancements being made in the field of agriculture technology. RDO Equipment Company is a leader in agriculture equipment and precision agriculture technology and is here with industry experts bringing the latest news and information from RDO and John Deere. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is episode number 130 and today we are back with Jake and Tony Talk and we are going to be talking about Land Lab Year 3. Yes, it is that time of year again to recap what we did down at the North Dakota State College of Science Kozel Family Land Lab. Uh, of course, this year it's happening happening a little bit sooner than we would normally recap, and uh, that will all kind of come to light as we talk about it here in this episode. So before we dive into the show, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already. You can subscribe to the show on the many podcasting apps that we're streaming this to, such as Apple's podcast app. We have it on Stitcher, Overcast, SoundCloud, as well as many others. While you're out there, drop us a review. We'd love to hear what you think about the show. Lastly, make sure to follow RDO Equipment Company on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and catch all of our latest videos on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter, at RDO Tony K, and you can follow Jake on Twitter, at RDO Jacob M. With that, let's dive into the show, Jake. So uh, year three, Land Lab, uh, again, a little sooner recap than we would normally do, but that uh, is due to the, the crop that was raised out there and, uh, and really what we did for work. So diving into that, this was a unique year. Yes, it was. This was not a normal um, plant the crop protect the crop and and harvest the crop now we did that on half of the field uh, but the other half there was a, a decision made between uh, um, the school and kind of their their advisory board for the land lab and in conjunction with us here at RDO um, we had made the decision to focus on water management so uh, our goal was to get out there, do some surface ditching, some um, surface drainage. Now, this land is not tiled, so we do not have any subsurface drainage. Um, but we were going out there to do some some ditching, some scraping, whatever it may be. So uh, before we get too deep into that, Jake, why don't you just kind of recap of what went on at the Land Lab out there, what happened, and then we can dive a little bit deeper on each one specific. Yep. So, you know, and really thinking about it, uh, what we did at the Land Lab is not unlike what we saw through really the vast majority of our entire footprint here in the Red River Valley. Um, if we think about it as we turn the calendar over, maybe around the time you were listening to the recap of year two of the Land Lab, you know, only about 40 to 50 percent of the corn crop had been harvested in the Red River Valley. And, and so there was a lot of fallow ground, a lot of cover crops, a lot of a ditch work, a lot of surface drainage, a lot of things that were done. And even though a person could look at that field and said, wow, you had almost perfect growing conditions, you got what would have been extremely timely rains, and it was not a mud hole around the time when you would have been putting a crop in the ground, I actually say, well, that was the case for hundreds if not thousands of people in this area 
where they had they were all facing the exact same thing, but they literally had last year's crops still sitting in the field, or they had last year's residue that had not yet been sized, and they weren't going to plant a crop. And so we had, you know, the north half of that field was fallow, south half of the field where we were doing the no-till um, the no-till trial. And I, I think that this was a great year to see what that no-till trial did because some of those alternative practices, not saying go all in no-till, but not saying it's it's not worth trying in a few places, but this was a this was a um, a project that we needed to continue because of its importance in understanding what those differences and practices really do. You know, this was the third year, so this would have been the second full season crop that would have been grown on no-till ground on this piece. And I tell you, we learned a lot, and we'll talk a little bit about that when we get to the wheat in a minute. But what we did was we grew wheat on the on the south half of that field and uh, on that north patch uh, where typically we would have had Jake's Acres or we would have had the lake beds out there in the middle or the streams or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we did some surface drainage. We got to run a, a lot of really cool tools. We did an, an agronomic demonstration using uh, three true set tools uh, and, and had various guests come out there. And, and we learned a lot from that. We learned how to, you know, some of the best practices of setting those tools, getting the most out of true set. Um, we had some guests from John Deere and Hypro Pentair out there, and we got to know our exact apply sprayer. Uh, even better because we, we got to learn about nozzle selection in a wide variety of different uh, um, situations. So even in a down year, what could be looked at as a down year for many people, I like to think that a lot of growers in this area took this as an opportunity to breathe for one and for two to maybe try some of these things that we haven't had before because this, you're not always going to have a piece of fallow ground you if so it's not a it's not usually a good situation as to wet in a lot of cases we had a lot of really good acres that were sitting fallow this season and we've seen a lot of creativity as a result and so the land lab uh it really it served its purpose it lived up to its name that in in that regard for 2020. Absolutely. Let's touch on just a little bit the south field. So we had wheat planted there. Not as much went on in the wheat field because we had a crop there. But uh, working with the no-till versus conventional till, um, we put wheat out there. We harvested the wheat. One of the things that stood out to me, and it has over the past couple years, is the ability for or the ability of the no-till ground to suppress weeds that has been kind of an eye-opener to me now i know that's it's a lot of what what is talked about with no-till is is uh, weed suppression things like that and i know cover crop plays a, a big manner or a big uh, um, part in that as well but i just i still am am very um, impressed with what that no-till or no-till cover crop can do when it comes to weed suppression compared mm -hmm. to conventional. Now, the other thing that really stood out to me this year, having wheat on it. So first year we planted wheat, then we planted soybeans, and then we went back to wheat just because of, uh, of the situation we were in. The ability for that no-till, uh, uh, cover crop, no-till, whatever it may be, to uh, 
kind of take away some moisture per se. Mm-hmm. Um, the moisture difference, now we combine that field all at one time, all in one shot. Um, I say that that field, it's only a couple, what, 30 acres, I believe. And which I shouldn't say that's a small field. There are a lot of places in the country that um, some listeners may be at that 30 acres is a normal size field. But it really surprised me how the moisture content of that wheat changed drastically when we were in the no-till and then we combined into the conventional till. Now, uh, some people that are more familiar with no-till, conventional till, minimum till, uh, whatever it may be, might already know this, but the no-till was substantially drier in moisture content than the conventional till. Um, that was kind of eye-opening to me. I've never had the opportunity to see that side-by-side in a 30-acre patch. So that was kind of some of the takeaways that I had from the wheat this year and then also kind of years past with that weed suppression. Yeah, and, and take it from a, uh, a kid from Kansas who literally grew up around this for his entire life. It was something I took very much for granted. But, you know, truth be told, I, I was always the agronomist. I was never the combine operator or the uh, or the, the actual grower. So this is my first time cutting wheat. Um, it was a blast. <laughs> I literally recorded a video of myself with a John Denver song, a certain John Denver song, which you probably can about imagine which one playing in the background. Probably reminds <laughs> you of a couple of pretty comical movies from the 90s. Um, oh, a certain yeah. crawl character might come into mind. <laughs> Um, I was like a kid in a candy store. It was the greatest thing. Um, it really was. And so it's, it's been really fun to, to watch that. We all got something different out of that wheat. Um, you know, we did some in season, uh, sprayer trials, uh, because we had standing wheat, we had a wheat crop. So we did some kind of some fungicide trials, uh, just for coverage. We weren't actually spraying live chemistry. We we're just wanting to look at uh, coverage of different nozzles, things like that. But, uh, that uh, that wheat's been really great, and and if you are a grower who has not done any of these type of small strip trials or small in season kind of just small field experiments, um, no till is not going to be a perfect fit across an entire operation. I mean, and and just like all the positives that a person can can look at from this wheat crop and say, wow, it it it. It was kind of a fast, fast dry down. It was a, you know, great weed suppression. You know, there are a lot of nuances that a lot of no-till guys will obviously tell you that, yeah, you know, the ground will mellow out really well, especially by year five, you'll start seeing some really big changes in the field. But then likewise, for some of those guys that have been no-till for a number of years, they're starting to get the itch to potentially find some iron um, that's going to lightly scratch the ground and help with some of that weed suppression because it kind of will, it will ebb and flow in, in obviously the more resistant weeds that we have, the, the worse those types of things are going to be. But, uh, um, just to really, it's, it, it was a great opportunity. I'm really glad that we were able to be a part of that part of the project, especially because I think we both got a lot out of seeing that, uh, that piece of ground. Yeah, I completely agree. We all kind of get our own takeaways and we all kind of have our our own uh, unique learning experiences with that. So 
that south field um it's been very beneficial we've learned a lot of things um there's actually and i think we might have talked about this on year one or two um but there's a a major um salt area a saline issue on that south field that we've had to deal with which is um kind of been its own unique uh, uh battles as well now we talk about the north half so that's our larger field that's mm-hmm. where we've done a lot more of our in-depth agronomic trials or agronomic demonstrations Mm -hmm. and this year uh, like you said jake um it wasn't it wasn't an uncommon situation in in this part in minnesota north dakota south dakota a lot of pp'd ground a lot of fallowed ground uh, that wasn't able to be planted and and we were kind of in that same scenario same situation so we did not get it tilled last fall so we took the opportunity to till it this summer, I guess you could say. We didn't even till it this spring, so it was kind of middle of the summer. And we took advantage of the situation. So last year we had that crazy corn trial out there. That's so right. we had 35,000 pop, mm-hmm. and then we yep. also had 50,000 50, pop. Yep. We had... 30 inch rows we had 15 inch rows we had (laughs) the Mm -hmm. variation in residue that was out there jake was unreal because then we were also combining our 30 inch head was a chopping head our 15 Mm -hmm. inch head was a non-chopping head Mm -hmm. um so the the variation in in residue was crazy which was really cool getting this opportunity to run different tillage tools. That's right. Now, we had the 2660VT. We had the new 2680H compact or high-speed disc. Mm -hmm. And then we had the traditional 2730 Ripper. So three very different tools, um, three very unique tools in what they do. And that, to me was very unique from a dealership perspective. Now, there may be some of you listeners out there, uh, whether it be you yourself or dad or grandpa or mom or whoever it may be, they may have seen a lot of different effects of a lot of different, all of these different tools over time. Um, I myself, this was my first experience getting to see this many different tools side by side in the same uh, the same atmosphere, the same uh, setting. So to see how drastic a a ripped field, a 2730 combination ripper, mm-hmm. to see that next to something like a 2680H or a compact disc, whatever you want to call that type of a tool, to see that side by side was very eye-opening. Um I know a lot of these tools are designed for specific uses or specific seasons, but we got to play around with different speeds, different depths, different uh, different settings uh, with it. When it comes to that 2660 VT, we had we had depth we got to play with, we had gang angle we got to play with, we had finishing attachment pressures, all of that, 
And one of the, you had said we had some uh, special guests, some John Deere guests uh, visit us out there. Um, one of them was Sam Paulson. While we were doing this tillage trial, uh, Sam was great. He came up from uh, southern Minnesota, came up to where we were and uh, and helped us out, helped us uh, get those settings set correctly, um, kind of optimize those tools, um, give us some feedback. Because the other thing we did that I completely forgot about until right now, we also double passed some of those tillage passes. Yep. So we put a we put a twenty six eighty H, and then we came back with a, a twenty six sixty VT, or we did a twenty seven thirty Ripper, and then we topped it with a twenty six sixty VT. Mm-hmm. Um, Lots of different scenarios there. Uh, we did double pass 2680H. Um, it was really a cool opportunity just doing that itself with the tillage. Yep. Absolutely. And and when you think about it, um, you know, tillage is, is most definitely, you know, believe it or not, even as a dealer or agronomist, tillage is probably my weakest link in the entire thing. It's something that I... I still fumble around trying to understand the differences between pieces. But I tell you what, you put those pieces in the field. I've seen the Lemkin Rubin 12 out there. I've seen the John Deere 2230 uh, floating hitch field cultivator. I've seen the 2660 VT. I've seen the 2680H and the 2730 Ripper. I will never forget what each of those pieces look like and what they did. And it was one of those see it, feel it, touch it smell it um kind of moments that that i i i will always be grateful to ndscs the land lab the kozel family for giving us the ability to partner on the project like that because that was that made a humongous difference in my career in understanding a piece of um the entire operation a piece of the agronomic picture that i really really did not understand or could not explain and to be able to see that that uh that was really cool so that trial was that was very much tony's baby that was his project him and sam paulson did a lot of cool stuff they really helped out uh and we had bryce and caleb out there and they spent a lot of time getting like you said getting that 2660 vt set right learning things that they hadn't seen or known before about those machines just because there are things that you don't know that the guys from the factory, the representatives, are going to know a little bit more than you, a little bit better than you, and uh, that was awesome. That was just—it was a great learning experience. I really, really appreciated it. I'm glad that that uh, you found that to be just as valuable of an experience as it as it was for me. Yeah, and that wasn't even all we did out there no. on that North Field. We. Like we had touched on, we wanted to focus on water management. We wanted to do some quote unquote plumbing out there. <laughs> and uh, um, we did not go as far as doing any subsurface tile or subsurface drainage, but we did get the opportunity to go out and ditch. And up here, for anybody that is familiar with kind of the Red River Valley, the, the I 29 corridor in Minnesota, North Dakota, um, it's very flat. It is very, very flat. Um, I think some people say that, uh, and it, it, people say it in other parts of the world too, but you can watch your dog run away from home for a couple days um, for how far you can see in these parts. So 
what we did is we got a rotary ditcher out there, a Crary Revolution rotary ditcher, um, and we paired that up with Terra Ditch, um, which is a product that comes from Precision Terrain Solutions. Yep. And we coupled that, and this is probably one this of my favorite the, parts. This is it. Go we for it. We coupled that with the all-new 8RX 370. Oh, yeah. So that was killer. I think it was a 370, correct? It was. It was a 370. That was awesome, getting to run that 8RX, um, getting to play with it, mm-hmm. getting to learn that tractor, uh, but then doing the ditching at the same time. Um, it was a very awesome learning experience uh the terra ditch component of it is a a new product to us a new product to the the john deere um, network uh it is a a water management solution um, that is kind of i guess taking the place of surface water pro plus so surface water pro plus is not moving to the gen 4 platform what John Deere did was uh, kind of partnered, I guess you could say, with Precision Terrain Solutions, and uh, they they came up with a solution of Terra Ditch. Um, some people may know the product Terracutta. Um, Terracutta is kind of that that suite of products. So uh, Terracutta can do way more than just uh, surface drainage or ditching. Um, so Terra Ditch is just kind of a, a a basic version of Terracutta, you could say. But uh, that was another really fun thing or really cool thing we got to do out at the Land Lab this year was um, kind of brush off some some cobwebs and reintroduce ourselves to ditching. Yeah. We don't get to do a lot of it every season. So if we get a wet fall, there's not a lot of ditching that happens. Um, last year it got really cold and froze really quick. Yep. Didn't get to do very much ditching. Um, so ditching kind of comes and goes. You you get it done when you can, and and the season, the ditching season or ditching opportunities go by fast. So, um, yeah, I I don't know what uh, what did you take away from the ditching, Jake? Well, you know the the thing is like we kind of let off with it. it uh, it very much paints a picture of what was going on in this area anyway. A lot of guys were taking this opportunity because this was a great... You could look at it as a total total wipeout of a year. You could really write this entire year off, and a lot of people could say that anyway. But but really, you look at you look at what you could do by, you know, the potential impact it could have on your farming operation to be able to take care of some of these uh, water drainage issues. This was an awesome thing. I feel like... Of all the things that we did out at the land lab, I'm almost the most proud that that this one got accomplished because I feel like this is going to have a long-lasting impact. You can take grain to the elevator, and you or you could give them checks, or you could give people could give all kinds of donations. But this piece of ground um, sets up the school, I think, for the next five years for the for the next extension of their lease that they have. And uh, I think that's a, that's the thing that I'm most proud of that we we were able to check those things off the box, but we also did it by including our teammates. I mean, we had our teammates from South Dakota there. We actually had a customer come out and demo Terra while uh, while we were running out there. I think that was a really cool a cool way that to to kind of send off 2020 and say, yeah, if we do nothing more than just run this ditcher out here at the end of the year, that. That was a cool, cool way to finish it off. A lot of people got to be engaged, involved in the process, and 
I mean, that tractor's awesome. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I would agree that those 8RXs are, are pretty wicked tractors. Now, before we cap off this episode, Jake, um, one of the other things in between that I, I jumped right to ditching, mm-hmm. one of the other things that you got to be a part of uh, in between the tillage and the ditching was a kind of a special sprayer project with John Deere. Yeah. Um, why don't we just briefly sure. touch on that? So there's two projects we were in the middle of. One of them was a spot spray project, which was kind of a... You know, you didn't hear this from us kind of a thing in the beginning. Now it's very much being shouted from the rooftop so you can do individual nozzle prescription on-off, not 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 rate, but uh, on-off prescriptions. And this was the year that we were able to execute it. And we were able to see what it actually looks like, see what it does. And I tell you, if you're ever going to demo that, do it at night. Um, it's the coolest damn thing you'll ever see. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be as blunt as I can be. If you're going to do it, do it at night. It is it is the most impactful there if you want to see what that machine really does um, and it's a suitable condition. I mean, obviously, you're not going to do this with Dicamba or any others where you have to follow obviously follow the label, but um, it, really, really cool. Do that, do that at night. You can really, really see the impact that you're having by having that prescription. You can really see how much of that boom is and isn't off at any given time. Um, documentation on that was awesome. You know me as being a big proponent of, uh, of data and, and documenting those passes. One of the coolest data layers we ever collected. Uh, the other project that we had, um, really, really proud. I, I feel like, uh, you know, I get to be a part of a lot of different groups and, uh, the sprayer group is, is one of my, uh, is it's a true pride and joy of mine to be a part of uh, sprayer projects, and so we were blessed to have Rex Guthlin and Nick Flights of uh, High Pro Pentair uh, come to me and and say, "Hey, we wanna we wanna do some nozzle studies with you uh, this year," and it's like, "Okay, cool. Well, let's you know we've we've tried to figure out how to make things work. Not everything worked, but we made more than the best out of it by spending a, a good couple days together. Uh, we were out at the land lab." ran through all kinds of nozzle trials, ran through all kinds of different scenarios, and really got to know the nozzles. And and Dave Mulder, who uh, you probably heard him on the John Deere podcast, uh, where he's talked about Exact Apply. He had a three-episode uh, three uh, series on Exact Apply for you John Deere dealers. Um, that... Uh, and he's also in charge of the marketing uh, for, the, for the sprayer line, but... Uh, it was cool to have those guys out there to learn from them, to learn more about our machines, just like you had with Sam and the tillage tools. To have guys like that out there who are right there in the middle of it, seeing the machine. But now we got the machine out in the element. It's not in the it's not in the factory, and we're not talking about nozzles in a lab. We're talking about them on the machine, actually doing an application. I got a lot out of that. I learned a lot. Um, there's going to be some great documentation for those of you who may be in the market for nozzles, have exact apply sprayers, um, or or sprayers with PWM systems on them. Uh, uh, Deer is going to release a whole different uh, set of documents that go along with that to help you uh, make some choices here in the future. So a lot of fun. So like I said, that that was a great, great project. Um yeah, I can. It's very easy to skip around. We did a lot of lot of things out there this year. Yeah, and not only this year, but uh, this 2020, 
um, technically caps off a three-year agreement that we had with uh, NDSCS and working with the land lab. So um, really, we don't know what the future holds for us out there. Um, We're hoping to continue working with the school. But Jake, I know I can say that I am forever thankful to North Dakota State College of Science, um, the Kozel family, and and donating that land or or allowing the school to utilize that land. Um, I am forever thankful just at the stuff we got to learn. Um, I know you had some some stats on the amount of equipment we had out there, things like that. It, It was fun. The last three years have been very fun, very beneficial for myself, for RDO equipment, and everything we have had the capability of doing out there. So it's the the three-year agreement or three-year commitment that we had with the school, um, like I said, uh, comes to an end here. But uh, there is a, a, a hopeful possibility that we will continue to, to work with the school. But uh, I am am very thankful. Um, we are very fortunate to be a part of that project for the last three years. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, uh, uh, you know, we we gathered uh, over seven million data points out there with all of our machines. We brought nearly forty machines out there. Um, everything from high horsepower, the nine six twenty RX uh, four wheel drive tractors. We had the eight RX out there. We had. Um, exact apply sprayers, carbon fiber booms. We had uh, exact emerge planners, true set, everything. Uh, we had a, an iMetos weather station. We also had a, a Field Connect system out there as well. It uh, it was cool. It, it really was. Uh, I, I don't know what the future holds for us, but I can definitely say that uh, if nothing else, you and I got we got as much out of that land lab as you could possibly get out of it. We, we really soaked it up like a sponge and and uh i i feel like i'm a better a better agronomist a better agribusinessman for it and and like you said i i i can never never thank them enough for the opportunity we had yeah and that's kind of how uh how we want to end this episode just giving a huge shout out to north dakota state college of science in wapaton north dakota Uh, allowing RDO to be a part of that project, uh, allowing us to kind of play around with our equipment. So we can, as a John Deere dealership, we can better learn our equipment. Um, We can do some of the the agronomic stuff that we wanted to learn, uh, but also share that with the students, being able to uh, um, allow them to learn more about uh, equipment and, and the agronomic effects of some of the equipment and how it's used. So uh, big thank you to NDSCS. Big thank you to the Kozel family. Um, yeah, we, on behalf of Jake, myself, RDO Equipment Company, again, thank you for allowing us to be a part of that. So there it is, year three, the Land Lab. We'll see what the future has in store for us with the NDSCS Land Lab. But for yeah. now, this is where we'll leave it. It's a good place to leave it. We look forward to seeing what 2021 holds for everyone and and everything and future products and future projects and future cooperators and partners. It'll be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Jake. Thank you to the listeners for sitting down and listening to another episode, and we will catch you on the next one. Thank you. 
Thanks again for tuning in to another episode. If you have questions about the technology and products discussed, or have ideas about future episodes, please leave them in the comments below. You can also subscribe to RDO's YouTube channel and be in the know about each episode, or tune in on any streaming service. Thanks again for listening.